Hey, it's Michael Furstenfeld from Make Every Media. Today's show comes to us from independent radio producer, theater artist, college instructor, amazing mom, and longtime Make Every Media collaborator, Michelle Dahlenberg. It's the last of three audio pieces by Michelle that we're sharing with you on this year's Summer Spotlight series. If you haven't already checked out the last two episodes on this feed, don't forget to do that after you listen to this. Michelle originally created these pieces for Texas Resilience Stories, an audio project for a new resiliency research center at Texas State University. She interviewed hospital staff, educators, and Texas winter storm survivors, all about resilience during natural disasters and public health emergencies. On today's episode, Michelle's interviewing special education teacher Ignacio Valdez about his own history with resilience and how it's been helping him to figure out ways of helping his students to learn to be more resilient in their lives. Here's Michelle with We're Not Giving Up on These Kids. Growing up in Laredo, Texas, Ignacio Valdez often felt like he was different from other kids. First, there was his name. I wanted to be a David or a a Michael or a Robert, right? I was Ignacio and I had a couple of teachers who really struggled. I had one teacher, uh, Miss Rodman in sixth grade math, who would call me whatever uh, because she just did not want to even try. Then there were his eyebrows. I'm very light-skinned, and um, it looks like sometimes like I shave my eyebrows like I don't have eyebrows, and that's I, I totally have eyebrows. <laughs> They're just very light, so kids would, you know, pick on that. And his feet. I was also uh, born with club feet, and so I was always in pain, and I had to wear these really clunky orthopedic shoes. As an adult, Ignacio took an alternative route and got his college degree at age 37. He's now a special education coordinator. His past experiences give him a lot of empathy for his students and their challenges. Our paths are not necessarily always you know, linear. Or we're going to stumble and we're going to have these, these, uh, these setbacks. Ignacio works in the San Antonio Independent School District. His students go to Title I schools, which means many of them come from low-income families. He resists the easy resilience narrative for his students. You know the kind. I, I don't have uh, like a Disney-ready, uh, overarching, like super happy story. He's been reading educator Dr. Bettina Love's recent book, We Want to Do More Than Survive. In the typical narrative, resiliency in students is like perseverance. You get an essay back and it's, you know, covered in red and having that resiliency to kind of go back in there and, and, uh, and stick with it and revise it and, and turn in a better paper Versus a student who maybe gets that back and, and feels like it's one more thing or you're picking on them and, and then they don't turn it in. And that may be true for some students, he says. You know, how do you measure that when you have a student who is not sleeping well because they're working in, uh, after school or they live in an area where there's a lot of crime or, or poverty or, or they have all these other things weighing on them? How do we measure their resiliency? You know, how, do, how are we looking at that? Ignacio's school district had to look at those questions deeply when COVID started in March 2020. A lot of our parents work in the service industry, so they did not have the opportunity to just lock down and stay home and not go to work. They were working at HEB. They were working at hotels and restaurants and other areas where there wasn't. they did not shut down. So a lot of our parents were leaving kids home alone or with a grandparent or with an older sibling uh, to go to work. The district created the Digital Learning Playground. Kids could log in and do their lessons whenever it worked best for them. But some students were struggling with their mental health. 
Ignacio's district decided to split special education into two houses. One side is disability services, that's your traditional special education. The other side, uh, they, they rebranded us as seed and restorative practices. The program includes positive behavior intervention and support, social-emotional learning, and restorative practices. Some of this work came from the realization that the district was suspending kids at an alarming rate and contributing to the school-to-prison pipeline. So what's a different way? What's something else that we can do? The first phase of restorative practice starts with the adults. It's about how the adults approach education and their students. So if a student arrives late, it's not, uh, oh, great, you're late, you know, or you finally decided to show up. It's like, is everything okay? You know, uh, I'm glad you're here today. So it's, it's a reframing of how we think about our students and how we approach them, whether it comes to correcting their behavior or interacting with them. The second phase is teaching the students to use I statements to explain how they're feeling and what they need. So I feel uh, discouraged when you are talking when I am talking because it seems like you are disrespecting me. You know, it feels like that. And, and so then uh, we try to get the students to talk like that also. And it can be difficult for them because nobody talks like that. So we'll say, OK, this today, this day, we're going to focus on this one strategy. And you hear the language and you hear people stumbling through it, but they're doing the work. school's back in person, this is what Ignacio's mornings sound like. The students, staff, and teachers are happy to be back together, but they're recovering, slowly. Like a lot of places in the U.S., his district is facing severe teacher shortages. Teachers and staff are exhausted. Some students are really struggling. Ignacio gets a lot of opportunities to try out restorative practices. Recently, Ignacio got called to a middle school classroom to support a disruptive student. A boy was upset because a female classmate had had to drop out of the school play. She'd had a family emergency. This is a boy, though, who gets kind of picked on. He's an easy target. He looks a little different than the others. Um, sounds a little different than the others. You know, he's not from, from, from that area. So um, he ended up leaving the classroom. I followed him. I was able to talk to him a little bit. And he's like, I always get bullied. I'm like, well, you know, have you said anything? It's like, why say anything? Nobody's going to do anything. Have you talked to your parents? My parents don't care about this. And I should just, you know, end my, I just kill myself. So he was like in that frame of mind. Right. And, and um, so now that's a whole other thing where I have to get the counselor involved. But right now I'm just trying to kind of keep him talking. Right. See what's, what's going on with him. Ignacio kept trying to connect with the boy and the boy wasn't having it. So he tried a new tactic. So I, I saw that he was wearing, he had like a black fingernail polish and some braces. I'm like, Hey, are you a punk rocker? What do you know about punk rock music, right? <laughs> so we start talking about some bands that I know from when I was a kid. He's like, yeah, I'm familiar with that band. I like this band. And I'm like, well, do you play any instruments? And he's like, well, I play, I play the clarinet, but that's not really punk rock. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, here's a band that I, I think you're going to, you need to know about. The guy plays an accordion because he used to play guitar, but he asked himself, you know, he liked to play the accordion with his family. And he's like, what is an instrument that is not punk rock at all, right? And that's the accordion. He said, how punk rock is it to play an instrument that's not considered punk rock, right? It's a local San Antonio band, Piñata Protest. The uh, accordion player slash lead singer is actually a social studies teacher at one of our academies. Come clavaste a mi corazón. 
so the song that I played for him was uh, Tragos Amargos, and it's, it's, a, it's an old traditional Spanish song. But this this guy punkified it, right? He made it faster and modernized it. And when uh, when my student heard the newer version, he's just like, oh, that's that's cool. Like, he His face lit up. He's like, I really want to learn to play guitar. Ignacio connects the boy to a local music store. The owner invites him to come in, grab an amp, and play guitar whenever he wants. He's done that a couple of times, and, and when he sees me at school now, his face kind of lights up, and he's like, you know, hey, I was able to play uh, uh, a Gibson Les Paul, and I was playing through a you know, Marshall amp or whatever. I'm like, great, you know? He's hopefully feeling that he, you know, somebody's looking out for him. During professional development programs, teachers often look to Ignacio for resources for challenging kids like this. Give me one strategy, just one thing that I can do tomorrow that's going to make a difference. And I go back to relationships. I said, work on your relationships. And sometimes they scoff. Sometimes they roll their eyes. But I have found that that's the thing. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy to kind of connect with these kids, especially the ones that are older and maybe are a little distrusting and don't really know what to make of you. You keep showing up. You keep showing them your heart. Sooner or later, they do come around, you know, and... um so I, I guess that's us being resilient, right? Teachers being resilient right there, not giving up on these kids. The work isn't easy, but Ignacio sees schools trying and succeeding. I have hope that long term, we will see some significant change in how we interact with our students, with our community, with each other, because, I mean, they are, in a lot of ways, our customers, right? That we work for them. A lot of the conditions that exist in these areas are not a result of what they did, right? It's stuff that's been done to them, right? Uh, economic policies and underdeveloped areas and underserved areas. So they, you know, they, we also need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, what was our role in this? And, and, and be honest with that and not just put the blame on kids and families. So to me, restore, I hope it means that we're restoring to what it could be, what it should be. For the Community Health and Economic Resiliency Research Center of Excellence at Texas State University, I'm Michelle Dahlenberg. That was We're Not Giving Up on These Kids by Michelle Dahlenberg. Thank you, Michelle. You can hear even more of Michelle's work at michelle-dahlenberg.com. That's Michelle with two L's. And Dahlenberg is D-A-H-L-E-N-B-U-R-G, michelle-dahlenberg.com. And just a reminder, if you want to catch Make Every Media Conversations, play-alongs, deep dives, or music performances live before they're edited, the easiest way to do that is to follow us on Twitch or YouTube and turn those notifications on. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, get early access to newly edited episodes and help us keep making new episodes, supporting us on Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee, or following up that Twitch follow with a Twitch subscription, even one of those free ones that come with your Amazon Prime account. Those are the things that are going to keep this machine fueled for the long term. Links to all those can be found at linktree.com slash makeeverymedia. Michelle's project through Texas State University is coming to an end this year, but she's going to keep making these pieces about resiliency because she can't help it. She's got more stories to tell, and we would love to support her in that and keep broadcasting her stories and new episodes of Make Every Media and Grief Orders and Come and Take It by Beth Webster. But this stuff takes time. Producers often do this work on top of their other jobs and all too often entirely out of passion. Our dream is to be able to pay producers like Michelle a full-time salary to make amazing radio like this. 
I mean, passion is great, but it can only take you so far in a winter storm or a heat wave or a pandemic. Community support, patronage, coffees, those are the things that are going to help in the long term. And also Tejano punk music, of course. And as we learned earlier this summer, rice cookers and the Beatles and good radio, which is made more possible with Creative Commons music licensing. All of the music in this episode, except for that last track, is from Blue Dot Sessions, which you can find at www.sessions.blue. If you'd like to hire Make Every Media for your podcast, movie, virtual event, or online course, or if you'd like to have your work considered for a future spotlight on the Make Every Media podcast, send us a message at makeeverymedia at gmail.com or book a meeting today at makeeverymedia.com. And stay tuned to this feed for the top-secret accidental podcast pilot episode our Patreon subscribers have been raving about for weeks. That's coming up next on Make Every Media.